When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. This week, we are going to do a little bit of a combine breakdown for you guys, but not over the prospects themselves. Instead, we are going to be looking at the combine as a whole and the drills within the combine, going through each position uh, and dissecting what uh, drills really matter and what drills aren't as important, where you can look at each prospect and look at their results in this upcoming combine and really see which guys are standing out and which guys are not doing so well well, really understand what's happening uh, for 2022 in this draft class. So Matt, I'm very excited about tonight. This is going to be a really fun show. We're going to go ahead and jump right into it. Go ahead and start off with the quarterback position because this is the most unique position, uh, I think, for the combine purposes. What, in our uh, collective opinions here, is the top uh, important aspect for quarterbacks in the combine in general for them to go out and prove their worth to these teams? Absolutely. So quarterback is the most important position on the field. Arguably, I mean, not even arguably, it's 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 in stone. That is the most important position, and teams aren't going to spend high assets on a guy that doesn't interview well. So the interviews at the combine are most definitely the most important aspect uh, for a quarterback. The mo- it's not really a drill, but it's part of the combine, and it's where these quarterbacks are going to make money. If a team falls in love with a quarterback. Uh, during interviews uh, on the whiteboard, then they're uh, they're probably going to be more likely to take a chance on them. Now, quarterbacks most definitely not a great need for us at the moment, but uh, it would be nice if uh, one of these quarterbacks can really distinguish themselves uh, amongst the others uh, and maybe uh, start some bidding wars once the draft actually rolls around. Uh, but yeah, it all starts at the combine when these scouts and GMs uh, and coaches get a chance to really talk to these guys, really sit them down and and see uh, how their uh, mental capacity matches up with their vision. Yeah, for sure. Um, interviews for quarterbacks are going to be the deciding factor really for a lot of these teams, if they want to think about trading up the groundwork for things like that really starts at the combine Um, legal tampering quote unquote, hasn't uh, opened yet, but the combine is really when the illegal tampering kind of starts and teams and agents and everybody gets together in one place and they start to whisper between each other. So you can start to see the workings of some trades happening uh, at the combine next week. If, you see some quarterbacks really interview well. If Malik Willis, who had a good senior bowl, goes up and has some really good interview processes, maybe with the Steelers, and 
as we heard, they really liked him at the senior bowl. Maybe they go up, they like him again. He, you know, does well in his workouts, et cetera. You know, that's going to really sell them more on, okay, we can trade up and, and mortgage our future for this guy. than if they, he didn't have a good interview, they're going to be a lot less, uh, a lot more weary of that. Absolutely. So first and foremost for quarterbacks, interviews are definitely going to be most important. After that, uh, quite honestly, I think it comes down to their speed, their 40 and their 10 yard split uh, and a 40 yard dash and a 10 yard split are two parts of one whole drill. The 40 yard dash is the 40 as a whole, obviously. Um, but the 10 yard split is the first 10 yards of that 40. How fast did you cover going from standing still to within the first 10 yards? It's really a measure of explosion uh, and quickness. And a lot of football takes place within 10 yard boxes like that. And how fast you can cover a short amount of ground from a standing start. It's really what football is all about. So those 10 yard splits are really important for quarterbacks in particular. When you're in the pocket and you're trying to evade pressure, you got to be able to be a little bit active. You got to be a little twitchy. Like we saw out of Zach Wilson this year, he was able to evade pressure when it got close to him because he's able to move quickly and explode and be an athlete. You don't want guys where you don't want them to be a complete statue. And what we mean by that is I'm not saying they have to run four, four, uh, you know, and be a, a dual threat quarterback but you have to have some amount of mobility and agility and explosion within the pocket to make guys miss when you're under pressure. Otherwise you are going to be that statue and it's going to be a lot easier for players to bring you down. And you're not going to be the type of guy like we saw out of Zach Wilson again, that can make plays when things break down, that can evade a player and run to his right for his first career touchdown and throw a bomb to Corey Davis in the corner of the end zone. Uh, Do that against Tennessee. He had the rushing touchdown against Jacksonville. You need that explosion as a quarterback in this league because the offensive lines just aren't keeping up with the talent of the defensive lines and pressure is going to come. So if you can't evade pressure and you can't handle it, it's going to be a rough day for you in the NFL as a quarterback. Absolutely. Yeah. These days, uh, mobile quarterbacks are in. It's what you really need uh, to really go far because, yeah, like you said, defensive lines are out of this world and they're getting pressure and you need to be able to evade that. Uh, yeah, it's it's the way the league's going. And uh, if you go back to Brady's time uh, and you saw 40-yard uh, dashes uh, for quarterbacks, I don't think anybody really cared that much back then. Uh, but now I feel like it's definitely a, a drill that really has taken uh, more importance. Yeah, it really has. And it's the evolution of the league and kind of the acceptance of mobile quarterbacks by the NFL. But also it's a necessity thing, like I said where we're seeing firsthand in the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback that can win against pressure and make plays when things break down, let alone being dangerous when things are there, but can elevate your team beyond their structure, you're not going to be able to succeed. It's the reason the 49ers traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance and are moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, even though they were just in the NFC Championship game this year. Because as much as Garoppolo could execute the structure when things break down and he has to go put the team on his back, he can't do it. And as a quarterback, if you're going to be a high pick, that's what they're drafting you for. If a team is drafting that high, it's likely they don't have a quarterback that's capable of doing it themselves. And they need one. If they're drafting you to be the guy that can pull them out of jams. If you can't handle pressure, you're not going to be able to do that. Absolutely. 
All right, last thing on our quarterbacks here for our drills uh, events in general, and that is just the throwing workouts, how they look on the field. Uh, timing is always an issue at the combine and the senior bowl as well, because there's no chemistry between the quarterbacks and receivers. Quarterbacks are all throwing differently. Receivers are catching from different passers, you know, on every different rep, and it can just make things difficult. So overall, you're not really looking for the completion. You would like things to be pretty, of course. You would like quarterbacks to be generally accurate, and regardless of what situation they're in be able to thrive but i'm not going to hold too much of the results against these guys and the workouts it's all about the process for me it's all about their mechanics it's all about how they look physically it's all about the speed at which the ball comes out of their hands is it a tight spiral does it look like they have control does it look like they're having to put more uh on the ball to really kind of get um passes downfield or are they naturally throwing uh at all levels with ease. You know, there's a lot of things you can take out from workouts without looking at the results and mechanics for me are really, really important for quarterbacks. Uh, so how they look mechanically and how that transfers to how they look on the field is really, really important overall. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these quarterbacks probably have never taken a snap under center at, at the college level. So some of them really, for sure, yeah, some of them. So to really get the chance to show their, their uh, dropbacks is pretty invaluable. And like you said, the chemistry is most likely not going to be there. And a lot of quarterbacks choose not to throw at the combine for this reason. They yeah. would prefer to throw at their pro day just uh, so they're in a familiar environment around familiar receivers. Um, and yeah, that, that's that's fine. I mean, like you said, like we said earlier, the most important thing for quarterbacks is really the interview process. So as long as they don't bomb that, uh, they can really pass on the whole throwing aspect of the combine and still make it out. Uh, but yeah, velocity, I feel like is, has become one of the more important uh, stats to really come out of the combine. Uh, if you have a quarterback that can throw it, what, what did Josh Allen throw? Like 60 miles per hour? Something I think like that. 62. And if Willis can can come out and throw in the seventies. Like it's reported. He did. At, uh, is is okay. that still holding true? We, we have no, I have some updated information on that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, something there's nothing. The senior bowl has not come out and said that anything is wrong, but something is clearly wrong because every single quarterback at the senior bowl this year broke the record for the senior bowls, like miles <laughs> per hour. Okay. So, so every single guy under Malik Willis's insane 75 miles an hour or whatever it was that was reported was like the lowest they had was like 65. And if, and they had like Bailey Zapp at like 67. No, was, no chance of hell. What was no. the field on a hill? Was he just throwing yeah. <laughs> down a mountain? <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, the radar gun, what they did is they, they twisted the little knob at the, the front of it and they just kicked it up by 10 miles per hour for everybody. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how that worked, but no, um, we'll see how the combines measurements will differ from the senior rules measurements. Uh, and that'll be a big factor, but I don't think you need a radar gun to judge velocity. I don't think you need uh, a miles per hour number or a specific tracking number to be able to tell if a quarterback is a strong arm or not, because you can see it on certain types of throws where on intermediate passes, specifically out routes when they need to really drive the ball is the ball on a line or does it flutter? Do they have to put a lot into it and crow hop or are they able to easily throw? You know, there's a lot of things that you can tell and just watching how the ball comes out. Is it spinning tightly? Is it spinning fast? Is it on a line? Like I said, you know, 
I'm not, I trust my eyes more than I trust a radar gun when it comes to arm strength, to be completely honest. Uh, I agree. Yeah. All right, let's get to the running backs here. Uh, next position, always a fun one at the combine. These guys always put on a show. First and foremost, as will be uh, the situation for a lot of these positions, the most important is the 40 as well as the 10-yard split. Um, you got to be able to move as a running back in the NFL. Running away from defenders is the goal, and if you are slow, it is going to be harder to do that. Uh, specifically, like I keep saying, the 10-yard split because you need to have that explosion and the stop-start ability. You're standing still as a running back before the snap, and you got to get up to speed. So how quickly can you get up to speed and hit the hole if it's there? If you need the extra two or three steps to get to that top speed, it might be the difference between a seven-yard gain and a touchdown. So for running backs, for me, um, there's a lot more to it than the 40, but the 40 is definitely the most important piece of a very divided puzzle of important pieces. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh... Are you going to be a burner? Are you going to be the guy that defenders are chasing? Or are you going to be uh, more of a, sh a short distance specialist? Uh, get the tough yards. Uh, the 40 can maybe determine some of these things. Uh, if you're uh, running back and you're running in the four sevens, uh, you're probably not going to be uh, used as a receiver or used uh, uh, on anything more than maybe short yardage. But if you're running maybe between the four two nine and four fives, uh, you got a good shot of uh, of getting seeing more of the field, uh, being used more as a receiver, being used maybe as a downfield threat, uh, being that home run threat. Uh, and yeah, the forties where it starts. Can you do it? Can and, and but more importantly, it's not about how you time because we've seen guys time very well who don't actually play that fast. I think right. a great example of this would be Denzel Mims who ran very fast at the combine, but he never really showed it in his game tape uh, running that fast. So the, what, but what the combine can do is definitely put you on people's radars. If all of a sudden uh, Robinson from Alabama runs a four three uh not saying he will but that's gonna wake a lot of people up and and have people go back and like wait did we miss something uh and that's a, a chance that a lot of running backs have uh with running the 40 to really uh make people go back and and look at their tape yeah, it can open some people's eyes because specifically with running backs and running styles, um, it's sometimes it's hard to tell just how fast some people are because they may not look like they're moving as fast as they are, but they're pulling away from defenders and it, they may just be a long strider. They may just, you know, for whatever reason with their running style, Todd Gurley was a really good example of this where Todd Gurley was legitimately before his knee injury at Georgia was like four, three, three speed, maybe faster. And it didn't look like it because he was so big and he was such a long strider. And it wasn't until he would get into the open field and really hit that top gear. And I swear it was like, not to go off on a tangent, but college Todd Gurley is one of my favorite college players ever. Um, he would see like his eyes would light up and it would literally be like the cartoon of the steam engine where they throw a bunch of the extra coal in and it's the, <laughs> the woo and they pull the whistle and he just like revs it up and hits that extra gear. And it didn't look like he was, moving as fast as he was because his strides were so long and he was so big, but he was really, really cruising. Um, and so you got to look at guys like that. That can make you, like you said, go back and check tape as well as for, for me, the 10 yard split, if your overall 40 is going to be a little bit lower, if your 10 yard split can be really good, it can show that you might still have a chance that you might still have a future. If you can get to the hole quick enough when the hole opens, 
and still be uh, creating positive yards and maybe break a tackle after that. If you're a bigger back, if you're a power back, I really look at your 10 yard split a lot more than I'm worried about your, your consistent deep speed, because really for the 40 for running backs, it's about, like you said, what type of guy are you? Um, and so if you're not going to have breakaway speed, do you have the 10 yard split to make up for it? If you have the size to be that power back as well, um, it's running backs, running matters. Funny how that works. It really is kind of that simple. Um, next on our list, that's going to be our three cone drill. That is a very important drill for a lot of different skill positions. Every skill position, really. Um, it's agility. It's your ability to change direction on the fly. It's uh, your ability to sink your hips, um, cut laterally, uh, and make quick moves when you have to as a running back very rarely is your path a straight line and you have to be able to adjust and make cuts and be patient and go around defenders or or read gaps or make a cutback there's a bunch of different reasons and you got to be really fluid and agile uh, and quick on your feet as a running back and three cone drill is a great way to look at fluidity overall for all positions but for running backs too um, it's huge for me if you have a bad three cone as a running back it's going to be hard for me to like you Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very hard to, to like, if you're not showing your fluidity, uh, your ability to bend and your ability to accelerate, uh, in, in the three cone drill, it's, it's very important. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like you said, the running backs, they spend most of their time trying to make people miss. Uh, it's not as often that you see them, uh, running away from the defense, uh, heading for the score. Your first thing they need to do is make it through all 11 guys. And that takes a lot of moving around. Uh, so, yeah, if they can't bend or accelerate, uh, show some fluidity in their movement skills, then it's going to be hard for them to really take on an extended role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really well. Um, the ability to create for yourself is my number one graded trait for running backs. When I'm scouting running backs, it is the the first thing that I look for for everybody, regardless of whether you're a speed guy, power guy, receiver, anything in between. How do you create for yourself? And are you able to create for yourself? And a lot of times agility is really important in that and being able to create yards for yourself, make guys miss, avoid defenders, find gaps before they open or gaps that normal running backs wouldn't be able to get to because they can't cut the right way. Um, it's absolutely absolutely crucial uh not for running backs at any level but especially in the nfl uh that'll lead us to our last drill that's the broad jump matt go ahead and tell us why is the broad jump important for running backs so much like with the the 10 yard split uh explosiveness is the name of the game uh how how explosive are they how the especially lower body explosion um because you really need to be able to run through arm tackles uh, make cuts and then explode out of those cuts uh, to really uh, show elusiveness in this league. Uh, and this is, uh, other than the, the three-cone drill, I think is the most uh, uh, important drill uh, because this can make or break you, uh, really. Uh, right now, I think uh, if you do anything uh, lower than 120 inches, uh, it's it's probably a red flag. Uh, but if you get hit that sweet spot in uh, from around 135 to, to that 120, I think uh, you're golden. You, you show that you really have what it takes uh, below the waist to, to really explode through those holes, out of tackles, out of cuts, uh, and uh, be a dynamic running back. Yeah, for me, it's all about jump cuts. That's after... 
ability to create for yourself, jump cutting is the next uh, the next thing on my list. And those things kind of go hand in hand. And for those that don't know what a jump cut is, um, go watch some highlights of some college Saquon Barkley or anything of LaShawn McCoy at any time. And you'll see these guys where they're it's almost a juke but there's no defender in the way. They're just cutting in a certain way to be able to change direction without having to stop on a dime. So what they do is they sink their hips, they get low, they widen their base out, and they plant with one foot and they put their foot in the ground and they're able to literally leap to another gap left or right and shift laterally while keeping their shoulders kind of square to the line of scrimmage. And that's able for them to stay balanced, stay north and south and reset whenever they have to it's really important for running backs to have a good jump cut in the NFL. There is very, very few successful running backs in the NFL that do not have a good jump cut. Even the power backs, Derrick Henry is, has a good jump cut. It's part of what makes him a freak is that he's six to 240 pounds and can jump cut the way he can. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, same thing. His ability to stop and start and cut in the hole and get to different gaps is exceptional. Uh, Arian Foster was another guy that was excellent at it uh, when he was playing in Houston. It's really, really vital uh, to have that lower body explosion to be able to jump cut the way you need to in the NFL. And the broad jump is one of the many ways to tell if running backs have that lower body explosion. There is no bench press equivalent for uh, legs. Uh, at least for combine drills, there isn't workouts, but not for combine drills. Um, so the next best thing we have is the broad jump to be able to look at that explosion. And quite honestly, it's a similar movement. You're broadly jumping straight forward. The only difference now is you're doing it laterally in a jump cut uh, with pads on. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I forgot to mention is having a strong, powerful base also equates to more balance and having balance as a running back, being able to, Ba- sure. uh, hold your balance through contact or after jump cuts is extremely important. And the stronger your base is, the the more likely you are to succeed at this. Uh, so yeah, have these guys jump like a frog, and let's uh, see who's explosive and who's not. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Also goes for for keeping those legs driving, driving through tackles, pushing the pile. You know, lower body strength is really important for running backs. Uh, again, like I said, you got to run as a running back, so your lower body is going to be important. Um, sometimes it really is that simple. Same thing goes for wide receivers. As a wide receiver, you got to run, and especially if you are out wide as a wide receiver, you got to be able to be fast. So starting off, it's the forty. You got to be able to have a good forty as a wide receiver. Uh, if you cannot scare teams with speed. As a receiver, they are going to cover you very differently and in a more advantageous way for them defensively, and it's going to make it harder for you to get open. So there's a reason, guys, when they run really, really fast 40s as receivers go really, really high, even maybe when they shouldn't, because that type of speed puts fear in defenses and it alters coverages. Um, So if you're a receiver and you want to be able to get open in the NFL, you got to have the speed to put fear into teams to allow everything else underneath to come free. Uh, And if not, it's going to be really hard for you. You got to be a legend Uh, and a unicorn of a guy like a Larry Fitzgerald, really, to be able to not have elite speed or, you know, Jerry Rice, who I think was faster than he got credit for. But still, um, you got to be a once in a lifetime type of player with your route running and separation ability and quickness and craftiness and everything else. uh, If you're not going to have great speed at receiver. Yeah, you you can't teach speed. Uh, We not at all. I go back to the the draft with uh, with with Judy and, and Ruggs. Yep. Now Judy was 
most definitely uh, looked at as probably one of the, the best wide receivers in that class. Uh, but he still got beat out by rugs just because of pure speed. And yeah, so if you can do that, I feel like that's there's no other thing you can show at this combine uh, that will make you money than your 40 time. Uh, like, but like I said, you got to back it up, though. You you have to back it up with your tape because, yeah, you can run fast like Mims did. Uh, but if you can't back it up, then you're going to see the result of what we have in Mims right now. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to run fast and then show you can catch that. So that's what you really need to do as a wide receiver. And this is, this is uh half the battle right here at the 40. Yeah, that's definitely half the battle. Uh, I think for wide receivers in particular, um, they have the most to gain and the least to lose in the combine as a whole. And we'll get into this, which my other positions, which I think is, you know, who is the, the most to lose and the least to gain, but I think receivers really, it's really, really easy for a wide receiver to do one thing really, really good and have that be the story of their combine performance and overshadow other things that might not be as good, like a really good 40, where if you're a player, you said uh, Henry Ruggs versus Jerry Judy. I go back even further. I go back to John Ross uh, when John Ross set the combine record and broke Chris Johnson's 4-2-4 and ran 4-2-2. That John Ross's speed was about the only positive aspect to his tape (laughs) he really wasn't a good route runner he didn't have good hands he was small he was injury prone he was okay on punts and kicks but he really wasn't that elusive he wasn't great with the ball in his hands his vision wasn't his vision wasn't amazing he was kind of just really really world-class fast and there's a lot you can do with that but as we've seen in the nfl it hasn't quite worked out and john ross's combine besides that 40 wasn't anything too incredibly amazing to where people were sitting there going, oh, he killed this workout overall. It was just this great 40. And it was the story of the combine where you can be a receiver in drills and you can make a really, really amazing one-handed catch in drills. And that's going to be on highlights on Twitter everywhere. And everyone's going to go, oh, look, you know, so-and-so is killing it at the combine. And you might've not done as well in the vertical jump, or you might've done really poor in the gauntlet and no one's going to know. And so it's really easy for receivers to make money for themselves at the combine. I think just like the senior bowl, it's an event where they have a natural advantage to go out and dominate. And so if you are a receiver, the the 40 is not only important for your success as a prospect, it's important for just a narrative on you as well. If you can go out and run a really good 40, it's going to put your name in the headlines and teams are going to remember clearly it has an impact on their opinions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, the easiest way to get buzz. And like I said, it's half the equation, the running part, but the next part is the catching part. Uh, and I think the best way to see, are you a natural pass catcher is through the gauntlet. That's uh, yep. the drill where they have the receivers just run down the line. Uh, they have uh, coaches or quarterbacks on either side, just throwing passes at them as they run down the line. Uh, and it really shows, are these receivers natural pass catchers? Are they letting the ball into their chest? Uh, are they catching it away from their, their body? Are they just dropping everything? Uh, yeah. And then having the ability to just catch and, and turn up field and, and keep your momentum. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all very important. And if you, if, if you don't run that 40 very fast, uh, like, like Ross, uh, you better be able to catch the ball. So 
uh, this is uh, definitely the the best one of the best uh, drills that you can probably run uh, to show off your hands to show that uh, you've got those soft uh, natural hands. Yeah, the combine is football broken down very simply in a way in that it's a lot of things just broken down to their core principles and studied. So if you're a wide receiver, we're just looking at how you can run and catch. So it's, it really is that simple. And it's just about understanding what these drills mean and why they're evaluating what specifically they're evaluating and what is a positive result or a negative result in that aspect. But for wide receivers as a whole, like you said, after the running part, it's catching. So I agree. The gauntlet's really huge. Um, you want to have guys that are natural pass catchers. I remember DK Metcalf had a great gauntlet drill um, that completely sold me on him as a first round pick. And I was like, yep, nope, that's good. He's got that athleticism. He looked like a natural pass catcher on tape. And then he did that in the gauntlet. Cool. Sign me up. Um, not to go off on a tangent. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's a, a good way to end for receivers. One honorable mention I'm going to throw in is the vertical jump because explosion is important as receiver. You also want to be able to high point passes in the air, uh, be able to be the go up and get it guy as well as the separation guy. Um, and like jump cutting for running backs, route running can also involve sinking your hips and making quick cuts. So you got to be able to have explosion from there. But I do agree. I think the gauntlet is slightly more important overall because you got to be able to catch. Um, yep. Let's get to the tight ends here real quick. We'll run through the tight end position. Uh, first and foremost, if you look at the history of the NFL, at least going off data purposes, the biggest telling point to success in the NFL for tight ends is actually the 40. And because I think overall it's, a measure of athleticism is how fast you can run. And if you can run generally fast, usually you're a pretty good athlete in other areas, unless you're just undersized. Um, those are obviously outliers, but overall, if you're a tight end and you have good enough size and you can run, you're probably a good athlete and the best athletes usually end up being the best players. So first and foremost is a tight end. Uh, if you want to be a factor as a receiver, if you want to be able to break open against these modern linebackers, you got to be able to run away from them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, the the size you can't teach, the speed you can't teach. Uh, route running and hands they can develop over time. Uh, but yeah, much like the receiver, uh, can you can you run? Uh, can you run fast? Are you big? All right, sign me up. Uh, but there are some caveats to tight end. Uh, because they're not just pass catchers, they're also yep. going to be asked to block. So that means strong base. And strength overall, uh, yep. bench press, I feel like, is very important for tight ends. Uh, can they hold up at the point of attack against defensive ends, against linebackers? Uh, can they uh, hold up in a heavy run, uh, run game? Or are they going to be guys that are just going to be split outside and just be mostly wide receivers? Uh, this uh, A telling stat would be uh, the bench press. Uh, and even the broad jump just for their general lower body explosion. Yeah, for tight ends in particular, and if you feel differently about this, then please chime in. But for tight ends in particular, bench press is almost like an attitude test for me. Because if you're a tight end, you know you're going to be blocking. You know you're going to be getting in dirty in the run game, unless you're a guy like Mike Gusecki and that's your role in the offense, and you know that's what you do, et cetera. But if you're a standard tight end, if, you're, if you want to be the the regular modern wide tight end in the NFL that is going to be in line and blocking more often than not. And you know that you're going to hit the weight room. You're not going to be one of these weaker guys. You're, you're going to play into your size. You're going to play into your strength and you're going to try and be a stronger guy on the field than be 
have good upper body strength to be able to hold your point of attack and hold those blocks, keep your arms extended, get into guys chest and drive them down. And so if you're a tight end and you're not doing well in the bench press, then it makes me think that you don't care too much in the weight room and that you don't care too much about blocking either, because if not, you know, why aren't you, why aren't you the type of guy that's, that's really getting into it. And if it's a size thing, I get that. If it's, you know, uh, an arm length thing, and we'll get into that with defensive linemen, specifically pass rushers, where the longer arms you have, the harder it is to do the bench press because you're having to extend further uh, of weight. Gravity is going to be pulling further down from wherever the weight you're pushing up is. Um, So you always have to slightly twist bench press numbers depending on arm length. But if you're a tight end, generally you're not going to have arms as long as a defensive end or an offensive tackle. So you should be able to get some good reps in on the bench. And if you're an NFL player, you're no stranger to the bench either, uh, especially if you're a D1 college athlete, same thing. So I, it's it's a litmus test for me, where if you yeah. it, it, if you aren't putting in the weight, and same goes for, for the last thing, which I'll lead right into for tight ends, which is the vertical jump. Um, a way to train the vertical jump, obviously you can just do jump training, and, and that's nothing against that, but it's lower body explosion, so it's leg presses. It's the ability to do squats. It's the ability to train your lower body as a whole. And as a tight end in the run game, like we said, and even potentially in pass protection, you got to have the lower body strength to anchor or the lower body strength to dig somebody out. So for tight ends, maybe more so than any other position at the combine, these strength drills really, really matter to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if they, I I would say my red air zone for the red flag zone for tight ends is anything sub 10 uh, yeah. reps in the bench press. Uh, anything yeah. below that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start getting a little curious about them. You're, you're, a, you're a big receiver now. Exactly. That, that's, that's exactly it. Uh, you get thrown down my, my, uh, my big board a little bit as a tight end. And, uh, and yeah, I start looking at you as a, as a pure slot guy. Let's get to the offensive line. Uh, Obviously, this is going to be a position the Jets are going to be looking at uh, in the draft, uh, potentially early, even though I think it might be more in the middle rounds is where they target some spots here. Um, But for offensive linemen, like tight ends, overall athleticism usually wins. And if you look at the history of the league, guys that can run really good 40s at large sizes usually end up being really good players. Kentley Platt over at Bath Bomb uh, has the relative athletic score that we talked about last year uh, leading up to the draft a ton. We're going to be talking about it again this year again. Uh, that is kind of the baseline for us, where if we're looking for judging athleticism in a numerical sense, how athletic are you overall in your speed and your agility relative to your height and your weight? And so guys on the offensive line that have the size to play a line that aren't you know, skinny or too light or too short that can also run really well or overall very athletic. Those guys tend to succeed. So if you're an offensive lineman and you're slow of foot uh, and you are really kind of not, you're kind of the big, big ugly in the trenches, then, you know, that's going to lead to some questions about conditioning. It could lead to some questions about, you know, weight management, overall, you know, athleticism in general, ability to get out specifically for the jet scheme. We want those fleet of foot linemen. We want those guys that can get outside, lead up to linebackers, get to the corner, seal the edge. So it's really important for linemen. Um, Obviously, you want to be strong. You want to be powerful. uh, You want to be big, but you got to be agile and fleet of foot. and Most importantly, fast enough to get the job done. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And if you can't show it in the 40 itself, there are some positional drills that they do as well. They have the, the mirroring drill. 
where where they have a rabbit, usually a coach or another player, just running back and forth, and the offensive lineman just needs to mirror their their motions. Uh, really shows are they able to to really sync their hips and change directions? Uh, are they able to to keep up with with defenders when they when they change directions? Uh, and then there's uh, there's usually a screen drill as well. Where they like to to see the offensive linemen slip out uh, into space, just just to see how they move, uh, and yeah, I think these are very important uh, for us, especially since we're probably going to be looking for uh, athletic o- offensive linemen to really fit our wide zone scheme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, my brain goes back to the 49ers a um, couple of years ago, where they took Michael McGlinchey in the first round. Uh, a lot higher than people were maybe expecting that he was going to go because of his his athleticism at tackle and his speed and his fluidity and be able to get out to the edge as a backside or frontside zone blocker. So the Jets running that same offense, um, you know, they're going to do the same thing. Um, where I was on, uh, shout out to the Liftoff uh, Jets fan podcast last night with Charvin Phillips and uh, Chris Piazza. I was on that show last night. Um, talking with them, one thing I had mentioned was the Jets coaching staff and Robert Sala and their coordinators, when they first got hired, went to the Jets GM uh, and scouting department and gave them prototypes for every position for draft or free agency purposes and said, these are the this is what we want on our team. This is the skill set. This is the height, weight. This is the prototype, everything. Um, and gave them kind of the blueprint for how they wanted their players to look. So fleet of foot offensive linemen are going to be that blueprint they're going to be what the Jets are going to be looking for. And I think the fact that this year in particular, this past season, they go up and trade for Elijah Vera Tucker, that just proves it. Yeah, absolutely. And in addition to being athletic, you need to be strong, of course. Uh, you're going to be going up against some of the strongest guys on the planet on the def- defensive line. So uh, in addition to being athletic, you need to be able to hold up. Uh, so the bench press is also very important for offensive linemen. If you're an uh, interior lineman, usually you don't have the same length as as tackles. Uh, and you were saying before, shorter arms means you can usually do a little bit better. Uh, I'm looking for around 26 to 40 reps uh, from interior linemen and maybe a little less from, uh, from tackles. Uh, but if you can show that you can hold up uh, with upper body strength uh, and lower body strength, you can show that uh, in the broad jump as well. Uh, then, yeah, you've got a great shot of, of, of really making it in this league, and especially on the Jets if, you're, if you have both athleticism and strength. Yeah, that's what they want. They want guys that are bigger and stronger than you. Bigger, faster, stronger. They want to be the the more athletic team. That's what they are all about, uh, is being just nastier than the guys they are facing. Um, you said 26, uh, roughly, for interior guys, maybe a little less for, for OTs. My benchmark is dang near identical. It's 25 for interior guys and 20 for tackles. So any less than that is where I start to get slightly concerned. If you're an offensive lineman and you get under 15 reps on the bench press, you're probably not going to play in the NFL. Now, who's who's the the tackle on the Eagles? Uh, his name's escaping me right now. Uh, oh, is it Dillard? He, yeah. I remember he showed up to the bench press and very much underwhelmed. Uh, and it was a red flag then, and it seems like people should have uh, taken that red flag a little bit more seriously. 
yeah, uh, hand up here. Someone who should have taken that red flag a little more seriously uh, as someone who was very clearly way too high on Andre Dillard back in the day. Uh, not to get too off topic on that. Uh, but yeah, you got to be strong. You got to be fleet of foot. Last thing for offensive linemen, like most other positions when talking about agility, it's the three cone drill. It's the ability to uh, change direction, be able to be flexible in your ankles and your hips, be able to sink your hips. Uh, you don't want to be a statue. Football is such a, a fluid game and such a reactive game. You have to be moving in such awkward positions at all times that you really can't play without being really balanced, without being really fluid at any position. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how cornerback and offensive tackle are kind of really similar positions because you're guarding someone from a standing start moving backwards and trying not to let them get ahead of you. Uh, if you think of it from that at aspect as a defensive end being the wide receiver and the offensive tackle being the corner. Uh, it's just opposite sides of the ball. Um, so fluidity and agility matters in that and being able to mirror around the edge as well as for interior guys being able to shuffle and pick up stunts and match some of these quick interior defensive tackles that are in the league now. You know, you got to be agile at any position. You got to be agile. So the three code is really important for all positions, but that includes offensive linemen. Absolutely. And at the college level, uh, I feel like a lot of uh, linemen, they don't really see a lot of counters uh, as much. Uh, mostly college pass rushers are either all one or the other. Uh, so being able to show uh, that athleticism, that ability to really sink your hips and recover uh, going the other way is very valuable because NFL defenders, they know how to counter. They know how to throw multiple moves at you in a single rep. Uh, so you got to be able to counter that. Yeah. Uh, and the recovery to be able to make up when you're beat too. the same thing, like I was saying for tackle versus corner, or if you're a corner and you get beat, you got to have the recovery speed to make up for it. Um, yep. So it goes hand in hand. All right. Now getting to the defense. Uh, let's start off with the defensive tackles here. Uh, first and foremost, I think for defensive tackles, you're not expecting these guys to be the fastest dudes on the field. You're not expecting them to be running long distances. You're expecting them to be stout. You're expecting them to be strong, not give up ground, be able to push the pocket. So first things first for me, that's the broad jump. That's lower body strength. That's lower body explosion. That's how much mass do you have, uh, in your legs uh, to be able to generate power. If you're a defender, if you're a defensive tackle and you don't have a thick lower body that can anchor down or dig somebody out, uh, good luck in this league. Good luck. Yeah, it's you're not going to win over a lot of uh, scouts if uh, if you don't have that base to really go with it. Uh, and also that explosiveness out of it, uh, because without that explosiveness, you're not going to be a real good penetrator. Uh, you'll probably be looked at more as a run stuffer, uh, a pure uh, first down guy. Uh, so if you can show uh, that strong base, uh, that explosion with your base, uh, it's going to go a long way to giving you uh, more reps, more three down looks. Um, some guys I like are uh, Devontae Wyatt and, uh, and Jones from Connecticut. Uh, these guys have very strong bases. And they've able to explode also. Uh, and it shows in their first step and their quick twitch ability, which all comes from below the waist. Uh, but and on top of that, you also need that upper body strength. So it also goes back to the bench, much like offensive linemen who are uh, need to show those reps to show yep. they can go up against defensive linemen. Defensive linemen need to put up those reps as well to show that they're worthy of these offensive linemen uh, matching them. 
they they need to show that they have the muscle up top to really push people around because offensive linemen, they're going to try and torque you. They're going to try and push you out of the way. And you need to show the brute strength to push right back to really get leverage and clog up the holes. Uh, so defensive linemen strength is the, is the name of the game. And it all starts uh, uh, with the, with your base and with your upper body. Yeah. With your upper body in particular, uh, the old defensive line coaching technique that any defensive line coach anywhere is going to preach is going to be stack peak and shit. And what they mean by that is you're a defensive player. You want to get your hands inside of the blocker and you want to extend and get as much length as you can. Like you're quite literally imagine bench pressing the offensive lineman. Once you get that extension, you want to be able to lock your arms out, create that separation and that length. So that blocker can't get his hands on you and keep you in place. And at that point, then you can look for the ball, hence the peak disengage and shed with the block and go and make the tackle. If you don't have the arm strength, once you're locked out or to get, the guy to where he's pushed off you to lock him out in the first place. If you don't have the arm strength to do that, it doesn't matter how strong your base is because you're going to let the guy get inside of your chest and he's just going to throw you right over. So it's both. They're both really important. And again, length is always going to play a factor. So if you're a defensive tackle like Javon Kinlaw and you have unusually long arms for a defensive tackle, your bench press numbers may not be as great as you might be expecting while still being pretty solid. That's where you go back to the tape and you see the strength and you go, oh, okay, he's just got longer arms, but he's still really, really strong. So you always want to caveat with that. But if you don't have the strength, period, like we were saying with Andre Dillard as a defensive tackle, if you're a defensive tackle and you're not putting up reps on the bench and you're not able to to really have that strength in your upper and lower body, be a solid mass in the middle, it's going to be rough for you in the NFL. Uh, it's that simple. Um, last thing, our next thing here is going to be uh, the 40. Overall athleticism is important. And defensive tackles are no different. Uh, like I said at the start, you don't expect them to be running too far distances, but you still expect them to be overall athletic. Uh, Matt, you mentioned explosion. You definitely have some explosion factors there. Ten yard split factors into that for sure. Um, and I'm going to keep saying it: overall athleticism. The NFL is built on athletes. I firmly believe that the NFL has some of the most talented athletes in the world. Um, at any level in any sport. And that includes some of these defensive and offensive linemen with the speed at which they can run at their size and at their power. So if you aren't going to be an athlete, uh, like I keep saying, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just overall athleticism uh, in general, just if you're a defensive tackle, you're mostly going to be right up front with the big uglies, but sometimes you're going to have to chase uh, ball carriers down. Yeah. Uh, and if you can show some speed, uh, even some long speed, uh, that's going to get me uh, going back at the tape and seeing, do I see this guy downfield chasing ball carriers down? Uh, so, yeah, speed, uh, the 10-yard split, uh, the vertical jump, the broad jump for explosion and uh, the base, uh, the, tw- the 20-yard shuttle and the three-cone drill uh, just for uh, fluidity and athleticism. And then, uh, of course, the, the the bench press, just to, to show how strong they are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Let's get to the defensive ends. Um, as I alluded to earlier, there was a position that I felt had the least to gain and the most to lose from the combine. In my opinion, that is the defensive ends as a whole. Um, as a defensive end, and this applies to defensive linemen in general, but really specifically defensive ends, every single drill at the combine matters for you. 
every single one is important. You got to be fast. You got to be explosive. You got to be fluid. You got to be strong. You got to be able to have a good vertical and have lower body explosion. You know, everything that you're going to be doing from a testing position wise matters for you. And none of them necessarily matter any outright much more than any other one. Um, But if you really don't perform well in any one, it's going to knock you a lot. So it's kind of the opposite of wide receiver, where if you're a wide receiver and you go out and you run a really good 40, you could not do so well in other areas and people are going to kind of going to gloss over it because you ran a really good 40. Well, if you're a defensive end and well, leading right into the top drill that we have for defensive ends, if you have a bad three cone and you don't show off the ability to really bend or flatten, or even if for whatever reason it might be, even if you generally have good bend on tape, but maybe you had uh, an injury or whatever the possible reason just didn't test well that day, that's number is going to stick with you. And people are going to go, Oh, this guy can't bend because he didn't have a good three cone. He might've done really well on every other drill. He might've had a good bench press 40 might've been great. 10 yard split might've been great, but they're going to get harped on that one drill. So if you're a defensive end at the combine, go out and try and try your best because you have a lot to lose and not a lot to gain. Um, without having an overall dominant performance, really that's when you see these defensive pass rushers kind of take over the combine where you'll have guys like Jadevi and Clowney or Bud Dupree. Uh, I think Kayvon Thibodeau could be one this year. We both think Jermaine Johnson could be one this year. If those guys go out and dominate in everything, that's when they'll be looked at as, oh, they were killing the combine. But if they go out and just do really good or as expected, it's, they're not going to get as much hype for it. And I don't honestly don't think that's fair. No, it's it's really not. But at the same time, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, the, 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 those generic drills are really where the money's going to be made. But there's also some fun just positional drills that defensive ends and edge guys uh, take part in, like the, the hoop drill. Uh, we're talking about Ben. Uh, I think the hoop drill is, is very fun to, to watch, to, to see these guys. So what it is, is you have two hoops. Uh, usually there's like a towel or something in, in both hoops and the the guys need to bend around the hoop, pick up the towel, go to the next hoop, put it down, circle that hoop, pick up the other towel. And that's how it goes. And you really get to see these guys uh, fluidity in the hips uh, around these hoops. Uh, so, yeah, if you maybe uh, falter in the three cone, uh, this is another uh, fun little drill that they can do. Uh, to really show that they have that bend. Uh, and then you got just pass rushing moves in general. There's another drill called the running club uh, where you just have a series of, of uh, bags and the from uh, a, th- a three-point stance, uh, they now have to make their way through these bags uh, using various uh, pass rush moves, whether it's a club uh, or a spin move. Uh, and then with the last bag, you really need to flatten out and uh, make your way to the quarterback, uh, which is very valuable to see because that's a lot of what these edge defenders are going to be doing. They're going to be doing their pass rush moves, and then they need to flatten out to the quarterback. Uh, so I feel like these two drills combined are very important for edge guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's like I said, they have the the least to gain and the most to lose because everything for them is important. Everything that they do is going to be heavily judged. And if they don't do well, it could, it could go against them. Um, 
moving right along. That's going to get to the 40 for defensive ends. You got to be explosive. You got to be fast. You got to be able to chase guys around the corner. Um, when uh, 10 yard splits, really, really huge here for first step explosion. Uh, if you want to judge guys, first step explosion, 10 yard splits, usually a good way to do it as well as vertical and broad, but the 10 yard split really is the good one to be able to tell uh, specifically for defensive ends. A lot of defensive ends are playing from three or four point stances. So it's a little, little more translatable running a 40 than, than a wide receiver would be where a wide receiver is going to be starting upright, not down the, the 40 stance position as a defensive end. When you're on third down and you're trying to pass rush and you're in a three or a four point stance, you're kind of mimicking that same starting stance, getting your legs under you and getting your weight high so that you can push off your back leg and kind of really get up field quickly uh, explode out of your stance. It's the same sort of movement. So 10 yard split uh, is almost more important or it quite honestly is more important that overall than 40 for pass rushers, but you still got to have the speed to the edge to chase guys down and just be athlete uh, an athlete overall absolutely i who was the last year i think it was um odafe oa from uh, penn state yeah uh he ran a 439 if i remember correctly and he really just blew the doors off the combine uh and his his case was very uh funny in that uh pretty much all his his uh his draft value was made at the combine uh because he really didn't put up a lot of stats i don't think he had no, a single he had sack. zero sacks his zero last year sacks. in college what? so he really needed to go to the combine uh and show his stuff and he he came out and delivered uh with that 439 and that the 10 yard split uh and just about every drill he pretty much dominated uh but like you said they can make or break themselves in this uh, at the combine yeah. Yeah. They really can. They really can. It's, it's really tough for these guys because so many things matter. Um, and they got to be on point in so many areas, not just on in the testing drills, but in the position drills, like you mentioned, uh, last but not least is the vertical jump and that's explosion for pass rushers. Uh, it's all, almost always about first step explosion ability to win quickly, get to the corner, beat the tackle. Can't, run with you period then it doesn't matter anything else uh it's similar to a wide receiver you can't teach speed if they can't run with you down the field it doesn't matter about their coverage ability if they don't have the athleticism to match that there's nothing they can do to win um so vertical jump's going to be important uh for defensive ends overall explosion is really the name of the game as you want to be explosive you want to be stout obviously bench press matters here but not as much because a lot of defensive ends have really long arms so you're you obviously want to judge stoutness more on tape than bench press uh, for defensive ends. It does matter. Like we said, you don't want guys to be weak. It is an attitude thing where if you're a defensive end and you're expected to be playing the run and, and getting dirty, you should be kind of hitting the weight room and trying to stay strong and, and make do with what you can. But if you're not able to rep out, 35 reps on the bench as a defensive end, like Jermaine Johnson, because you got 34 and a half inch arms. I get it. it you know, it's, it's understandable and I'm not going to hold them too much for that. Let's get to the linebacker position. First and foremost, I think this is the one of the rare, if not only positions where I think the short shuttle is one of, if not the most important positions or drills uh, for the linebacker position. And that it's all about horizontal um, agility, being able to go, back and forth, left and right, sideline to sideline per se. And as a linebacker, that's kind of what you're doing is you're reading and shuffling and moving sideline to sideline and being able to flip back and forth and redirect. So having your ability to change uh, direction horizontally is really important for linebackers. That's why for me, the short shuttle is is up there. Yeah, 
being an NFL defender uh, and linebacker specifically, it's all about how quickly can you diagnose a play, come up and stop and explode towards the ball. Uh, and the 20-yard shuttle showcases pretty much all of this. Uh, the player's body control as he's changing directions. Um, it, it This is very valuable because you need to see how athletic these guys are. Uh, are they going to be stiff guys uh, that have trouble uh, sifting through the the wash? and Or are they going to be the athletic guys that are able to dip around uh, offensive linemen uh, moving up to the second level? Uh, do they have the explosiveness to get to the corner, cut off a running back trying to uh, get the edge? Uh, and the, sh- the short shuttle is definitely valuable in determining this. Yeah, and after that, it's the 40. It's speed, especially in the modern NFL. If you're a linebacker, you're going to have to cover. You're going to have to cover tight ends. You're going to have to cover slot receivers, and you got to have the speed to to run with them. So that's why you're seeing when you have guys like uh, Devin White, who did Devin White run? What was it? Four four one, I think, at like two forty um, or something ridiculous like that. You have these guys that come into the league at linebacker with ridiculous speed because they need to be able to play in coverage. Um, JOK a year ago, one of our our absolute draft crushes, guy that we fell in love with early in the process and really wanted the Jets to take, is another guy that fits that mold of great short shuttle was really, really fast. I don't remember his exact 40 timer. If he ran, cause he might've been injured. Um, but he was another guy that's just got the athleticism and the sideline to sideline speed. Um, on top of that, it's explosion. And the last thing we're going to talk about with the linebackers is the vertical jump again, where it's a little bit of a broken record at this point uh, when you've been through this many positions, but football is about explosion and it's about explosion in short areas and how quick you can go from standing still to not standing still. Uh, So for linebackers, you want to be able to trigger downhill. You want to be able to fire out of your stance, make plays and coverage with the ball in the air. See if you can, you know, not just have the ball thrown over you, the the whole, you know, throw it over the linebackers head. You want to be able to sink deep enough and get up high enough to make plays on the ball. There's uh, for linebackers. It's uh, athleticism is the most important thing overall especially in the NFL right now, you got to be an athlete and you got to be fluid. If you're not those things, uh, everything else after that is secondary at this point to the NFL personnel. Yeah. Uh, there's a good position, uh, drill, uh, the, the shuffle sprint and change of direction drill, uh, you really start in a two point stance, uh, about five or seven yards outside the hash. Uh, and then they shuffle across the field. Uh, then they open up their hips and and sprint to to the coach. Then change direction, uh, and then uh, sprint towards the ball. Uh, it, it's nice to see their fluidity, their their hips, uh, their speed, uh, definitely uh, uh, laterally. Yeah, the angles the they take are they going mm-hmm. wide? Are they cutting? Are they able to be fluid and take a quick angle and and not have to round out? You know, there's a lot you can see from the positional drills that don't get timed and don't get you know, uh, equated with a number, but there's still a lot you can take away. Absolutely. All right, let's get to our last position here. That is going to be the defensive backs uh, covering wide receivers as a defensive back. It's all about speed. So it's all about the 40. If you look at the history of the NFL, DBs with low 40s don't usually succeed or usually even get drafted, let alone survive in the NFL. You will rarely find an NFL corner that runs below four or five. If if they're running four or five or higher, then they're, yeah, <laughs> they're probably safety. safety. They're, then they're probably a safety. Yeah, they're probably a safety or they're probably six foot four 
or they're a really strong tackling slot corner who's got really good instincts and or or, or they're a safety. Uh, you're not really a corner at, at that speed. So first and foremost, you got to have the speed deep. You got to have the speed to cover. And quite honestly, you got to be faster as a receiver than you are faster as a corner than you do as a receiver because you're reacting. So you're playing catch up when you're a receiver and you know, when you're going, you can plan to run. You're a lot more controlled when you're a DB and you're reacting. It's a lot less controlled and you're having to make things up on the fly. You got to have the speed and fluidity to recovery to recover. And if you don't, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're uh, going to a man cover man, heavy team, Absolutely. Uh, then yeah, uh, you're, you're matching these guys uh, and they're going to be coming at you with speed. So you're going to have to have that speed to match. Uh, for sure. Um, yeah, it's speed kills. And uh, just like it does on offense, you need it on defense, uh, without a doubt. Uh, it's same for safeties, though. I mean, sa- even if they're slower safeties, you, you, you don't can't be want, that slow. You can't yeah. be that slow because you're still also going to be uh, in catch-up mode. You're, you're also reacting. So, And it's also looked at for sideline to sideline speed. Do you have the ability... Uh, as a safety to make the read from the far hash. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of Hamilton, that that one play that keeps getting played over and over again, where he makes the read from all the way on the other side of the field and then runs all the way across the field to make a a, a incredible interception. Uh, He's probably going to run a decently fast 40 time. uh, I'm expecting. So yeah, if you're a safety, you can't just uh, you can't just slouch on the forty because uh, that can, you can definitely make some money as a safety by running a good forty. Yeah, and in a lot of modern defenses, um, not to get too off topic here, but a lot of modern defenses are running match coverages now, and safeties have to match in man. Uh, so where in traditional, you're expecting to be a zone coverage safety, you're staying in your area, reading the quarterback's eyes, that's all well and good. In these modern defenses, it starts in, as zone until a receiver enters your area, then you convert to man, you pick him up directly, and these safeties are having to play man coverage on guys. So if you don't have the speed to do it, it it's going to be tough. Um, there's a like threshold of, quite honestly, I think for me, I would have a hard time drafting any DB corner or safety that runs any higher than four, six. Uh, And even uh, then, and even then four, six is probably too high. Like it's you, you really are not going to be a top of the league player as a defensive back, unless you're, you're running four, four, five minimum, like minimum, you got to be hitting four, four, somewhat to be a quality DB in this league, flat out point blank period. And after that, um, after speed, it's fluidity. Like I said, it's reacting. It's being able to cover and change direction on the fly. We look at a guy in the draft this year, like sauce Gardner, we're expecting his three cone to be really, really good because he's really fluid in his hips and his ability to change direction. Um, his feet are really light. His, you know, he's able to turn, uh, plant drive and accelerate really, really easily. Um, as a corner, you have to do that. So there's 40 is number one. And then one B is three cone for me for importance for DBs. Cause you're, you have to be fluid in coverage and coverage is reactionary. And it's a lot harder to be reactionary. If you aren't fluid and, and unbalanced, you're going to be tripping all over yourself. 
Absolutely. Uh, especially in the hips, the hips is, is, yeah. uh, is everything for a DB. Uh, how fluid are you able, uh, are you at, at, uh, at turning those hips? Uh, and other than the three cone, uh, we were talking about the, the line drill, uh, for defensive backs. Uh, it's essentially, um, you know, where, uh, D back defensive backs, uh, are, they're doing backpedal and then there's a coach with the ball and he sort of points a direction and then the, the defensive back needs to open up their hips to that direction and then goes back to back pedaling and then goes to the next direction that the coach uh, moves the ball towards. Uh, I, I love this drill because you can really sort of uh, determine who are the defensive backs that have those fluid hips uh, that can really handle change of direction uh, uh, very well. And then the guys that really can't, uh, they're looked at more as uh, as safeties uh, or even linebackers. Uh, some I've, I've seen some uh, defensive backs with really bad hips at the combine, uh, and then I start to see teams getting their wheels turning in their heads. Like, all right, what if we put on some weight uh, on this guy? Uh, can he play linebacker? Uh, yeah, but yeah, the the hips will make or break you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what you're talking about with that line drill, um, it's also important to see if guys know how to turn as corners, because let alone having the the athletic ability to flip easily and stay balanced um, when you're backpedaling and you're turning a specific way, you don't want to turn and have your back go to the quarterback. You don't want to turn blind. You want to be able to flip your hips and be able to recover and reset. You want to turn the other way with your front facing the quarterback and kind of go backwards and stay in phase that way. So it's a test to see if these guys know how to flip, let alone having the ability to flip. Uh, last but not least, the vertical jump for DBs. You got to be able to high point the ball, make plays in the air, go up and win 50-50 balls uh, and you know stop offenses from making big plays and if you don't have a good vertical it's going to be tough to do that obviously you want to have decent size on the outside just in general uh, from a height perspective but after that you got to have a good vertical otherwise you're just going to get mossed all day and no one wants that <laughs> nope uh another good way to to well one thing that the vertical also does is uh lower body explosion uh and lower body explosion is also kind of uh sifted out in the Terrell Austin drill, I believe he's a defensive backs coach for Pittsburgh. Um, and that's where I think he players... just got hired to be their DC. Did, did he? Oh, congratulations. I think he just got promoted to be their DC. Yeah. Cause I'm because um, LeBeau retired or um, whoever they had replacing him retired. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he got hired somewhere to be a DC. I somewhere. may not have been Pittsburgh, but he's, he's a DC somewhere now again, and he should be. Yeah, and now he has a drill named after him, uh, where players uh, they they do five yard back pedals, and then they have to break downhill. Uh, and as a defensive back, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to move from a back pedal to to a dead sprint going ahead of them to really make a play on the ball. Uh, so explosion with uh, the vertical or the broad jump, uh, that's where you want to see it uh, measured. And then in the Terrell Austin drill. You want to see it in, in action, uh, especially to see them catch the ball at the end, uh, because it's not really talked about with defensive backs, uh, because wide receivers that can't catch become defensive backs. That's the the old the old yeah. adage. Uh, but it, it would be it, this is a nice drill where you get to see their hands in play, other than the gauntlet, which I think the defensive backs also uh, run. 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to make plays on the ball. Like I said, and that includes catching it. Um, and like, I, I really like the downhill drive that you get to see that you had mentioned, yeah. because that's like, we saw Brandon Eccles pick six on two of this year. It's the same sort of thing where it's read the eyes, read the timing, be able to go from drifting back vertically to exploding forward and making a play and the fluidity to do that. Um, you do it right. You get pick sixes. So that's, that's, absolutely a great uh position drill for dbs that's going to wrap up our preview here we're going to end with a quick little segment uh for what we think is the most important and the least important drills at the combine for all these positions overall so matt i'm going to let you go ahead and have the first pick what is the overall most important position at the combine for every position in general in your opinion uh the most important drill in general is got to be the 40. Uh, it's, it's the money drill. It's, it's what everybody really tunes in for. Uh, but other than just being uh, the, the, the most fun to watch, uh, it's also just make or break for a lot of these guys, for wide receivers, for DBs, uh, for running backs, for, for tight ends. Uh, the list goes on. The 40 time really shows a lot, whether it's that short yardage burst or the long speed. Uh, you really get to show it off in the 40. Uh, it, it's by far the most important. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is too. Um, we're in, we're in lockstep there that, like I said, for most of the show, it's an overall test of athleticism. And if there's an overall test of athleticism, the guys that are usually the more athletic are going to succeed. Uh, and that's just how the nature of the, an athletic sport goes, especially a sport that's as physical as football. Um, the guys that are the better athletes are usually going to win. Um, specifically, I want to say kind of like my, if I really had to say something, it's the 10 yard split for me where the 40 is the most important drill, but the 10 yard split is the most important data that we're going to get out of all these guys, uh, position wide because explosion and ability to go from a standing start, uh, from standing still to running and how fast you can cover about 10 yards of space in a short amount of time is what all the football is all about. At practically every position, because very rarely are you going to be running 40 yards down the field unless you're a receiver on a go route or unless you're a DB covering him. More often than not, it's not going to be that long of a uh, a run that you're going to have to make, and it's going to have to be a lot shorter. It's going to be a lot quicker. It's going to have to happen a lot faster. So for the 10 yard split in particular, that's huge for me for for every position where if you're a defensive lineman and you have a good 10 yard split it shows that you have a good first step that you can explode out of your stance that you can be potentially an effective pass rusher or penetrator um just off speed alone being able to beat guys into the backfield if you're a linebacker it shows your ability to trigger and come downhill and how much ground you can cover can you beat the running back to the gap can you get to the angle before you know the wide receiver gets in on the dig route and break up the pass um for DBs, it's the ability to explode out of your stance as a DB and run down the field. Can you turn and run your ability to drive? Uh, like I was mentioning with Brandon Eccles on pick sixes on uh, out routes. There's so much to learn from the 10 yard split because how you react in a short amount of time and what you do in two to three second bursts is all what football is all about. And that's why for me, it's by far the most important thing we will learn from the combine for any of these positions. How do they do in the 10 yard split? How much ground did they cover in that first 10, 10 yards from that standing start? Because 
that's the most important aspect for me. It's can you be an explosive athlete for two to three seconds at a time? Yeah. And lucky for scouts, they get to uh, get all this information from one drill, uh, the 40. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's really invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, go ahead. Tell us what, in your opinion, is the least important drill and the combine overall, uh, the one that we're not really going to learn too much from in general for all of these positions, but obviously all of these drills are valuable. Otherwise we wouldn't have players doing them, but what is the one that we really kind of don't put too much stock into that isn't going to make or break any of these guys, or maybe it will for some positions, but not for all of them. Um, overall is, it's hard to say uh, strength is, is something that's important for so many uh, agility is also, so I, I wouldn't say it's any of the, the major uh, metric driven uh, drills. I would have to go more specific and just say it's the throwing drills for quarterbacks uh, because like we said uh, specifically for quarterbacks, it's all about the interviews. So them throwing really isn't going to move many needles. Yeah, yeah, it probably isn't. Um, I do think there is something to take from mechanics, specifically for guys where if they had mechanic issues in college in the weeks and months that they've been training for the combine, have they done any improvement in that aspect? Have they worked with any private coaches? Do they look like they've studied their own tape and improved? Um, there is something there. I can definitely agree that overall it probably is the least important because there are so many factors that make it difficult. The chemistry with the receivers me, uh, being the main one, um, uncomfortability of the environment. You don't know how specific guys are going to run specific routes at specific depths. Uh, you know, there's a, a bunch of different reasons for why the throwing drills could be off and you can definitely not gather a lot of data from it. If a quarterback has really, really good tape and then doesn't do so well in the throwing drills at the combine, it's not going to make or break him as a prospect. I can definitely see that being a good pick. Uh, it's not mine though, because I actually have one that, like you said, I think all of the main position testing drills are important. Um, but if there is one that I think is the least important and I was narrowed down to that five, I'm going to say it's the bench press. And the reason I'm going to say it's the bench press is because there is so much variability in arm length and technique. And it's really hard to translate that one-to-one -one and say some guy had a good bench press, so he is going to be really strong. Where Or some guy had a bad bench press, so he's not strong at all. Like we've mentioned, arm length is such a huge factor. If you have longer arms, it's so much harder to be good at the bench press because you're having to extend that weight so much further uh, and lock it out for longer. It is a lot more difficult. It's harder on your body to, to push that weight, the 225 pounds that you're pushing that high up in the air. And if you're a guy with shorter arms, it gives you a little bit of an advantage to crank out more reps because you're not having to go as far. Uh, on top of that, if you're a receiver, what good does the bench press do you? You know, that you're not really getting too much out of that. Obviously, again, you want guys to be strong. You want them to take it seriously and be an athlete as an NFL player. But if I'm a receiver, I care much more that you're practicing your fluidity and your agility and your flexibility than that you're getting rocked up to the point where, you know, you're able to rip out a ton of reps on the bench. Would it be great if you're DK Metcalf? Yeah, but DK Metcalf is a unicorn and no one's expecting every wide receiver to look like that. Um so overall, I think it has some positions, like we mentioned with the tight ends, where it's really, really important. But if you're a running back and you're really 
quick and shifty and elusive and you can run through tackles with lower body strength like Michael Carter. Does anyone remember Michael Carter's bench press? I don't remember it being anything (laughs) that blows the doors off anybody. Does anyone care? No. So if I had to pick one of these, I really do think it is the bench press. I'm not an advocate for removing it whatsoever, so I don't want anyone to take it that way. Like Again, I think all these drills are very important um, and they all have their merits. But overall, I think it's the least translatable of the major drills. And there are other ways to determine upper body strength um, that might be better off in the future, maybe looking into for the NFL to get into testing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of variability there uh, that kind of you, it kind of waters down the effectiveness of the drill itself. Uh, but even then, I feel like there's still uh, a lot that we can take away from it. Like you said, it's more of an attitude check. Uh, right. And so I, 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 I do see the value just in that. Yeah, it has value. All these drills have value. The combine is really, really important. Uh, and for anyone that says that it's not, they're wrong because it's a litmus test for are you smart enough to stay out of trouble long enough before you go? Are you going to do well in interviews? Have you been training? Have you been prepping your body? Have you been looking ahead to what the drills are going to be and practicing them? You know, the NFL is looking at all of these little details on top of the actual results of the on-field workouts that matter so much. So uh, this is going to be a huge week for these prospects. Hopefully we have done a good job of breaking things down. Um, for you guys, for you to understand the combine as a whole. Uh, But it's going to be really, really big. And make sure that you guys are paying attention to these drills in particular. Uh, Most importantly, those 40s, like we said, look at relative athletic, uh, relative athletic scores in general. Um, Look for guys that are big and strong and fast while being, you know, at that size. Those guys are usually going to pan out uh, pretty well. Yep. All about those 40s. You don't see Rich Eisen running the three cone. No, you don't see Rich Eisen running a short shuttle either. <laughs> All right. I think that is a good way to end. Go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am your host, Andrew, and you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 on Twitter. Matt, go ahead and drop your handle. Let's wrap this one up. Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And make sure to follow our former co-host at Vitor Piva M uh, until he is able to return to this podcast. I will sub in in his honor at the end of the show. Uh, he just had an article come out um, on Jets X Factor recently. So make sure you guys check that out as well. And as always, make sure you follow at OKD podcast on Twitter. Check us out on the Jets X Factor YouTube and we will be back next week with another great episode. Thank you again so much for listening. Bye bye. 